Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. Also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. We're continuing our discussions live from SEC Media Days here in Hoover, Alabama. Going to be joined by both Richard Cross and Billy Lucci, both who are here to cover the respective teams of Ole Miss and Texas A&M as those teams will be going on a team. Both those teams actually have a lot of interest from Razorback fans, not only because it's two SEC West opponents, but both of those opponents, they play early in the season. They're two first two SEC West games on the schedule. So looking forward to catching up with them about the whole situation. Before we get to those interviews, I just want to give my quick thoughts and opinions on both of those teams and what it will mean for Arkansas if they're able to get out of there with the victory against them all. So Ole Miss, game two, week two, arguably the biggest game on the Razorback football schedule in 2019. Actually, I wouldn't even say arguably. It just is. It is. If Arkansas wants any shot of making bowl eligibility, Get, even getting to the Texas Bowl or Shreveport, I guess that bowl is no longer there, which is sad, RIP in pieces to the Independence Bowl. But they're going to go to Memphis or Birmingham, wherever. They have to win game two of the season against Ole Miss on the road. Both teams have a lot of turnover from last season. Both teams are very young. Both teams are trying to find their way in the division. Both teams have a lot of things going against them right now. But one of the reasons why I believe and I feel confident that Arkansas can win this game is because if you look at it from last year's perspective, just look at it on paper. Take out emotions, take out biases, take out everything. Just look at it from last year's perspective. Arkansas played that game in the nastiest of weather in Little Rock at War Memorial Stadium at night. They had the game won. They should have won that game. They choked it away. Ty Story got hurt, took the offense out of their rhythm. It was all bad all around, but they should have won the game. They didn't. They lost. And we know what happened the rest of the way. Ole Miss, that was it for them too because they didn't make a bowl game. They didn't get bowl eligible, obviously, because they were still on probation. But they go 5-7, and seven, and their only victory in the SEC was against the Arkansas Razorbacks. So it really makes you think, okay, so last year Arkansas should have won but didn't. Has Arkansas gotten better this season, folks? I mean, just look at it just in the logistics way. Have they gotten better? They have. They're better at quarterback. They're better at running back, even because you think development and health will take, go into play. They're better at right wide receiver. They're better at defensive line. They're better at the defensive backs. We'll see how linebacker goes because of losing Dre Greenwell's a big loss. We'll see how the offensive line goes because there was a lot lost there, too. So there are a few questions. But overall, the team is better dramatically. Now look at Ole Miss. Look at what they had. They don't have Jordan Tiamu anymore. They have some of the youngest players and starting roles in the SEC, possibly even the country. They have a brand-new offensive coordinator in Rich Rodriguez, which, let's be honest, folks, anytime you went and instill a new offense, it takes a few weeks of games to really get it going. I know it's on the road at Ole Miss. I know it's at 630 at night. I understand all that. But if we're going about the talent on the field, to me, Arkansas is the better team in week two. Time will tell. 
I won't be surprised or shocked if Arkansas loses. I'm sure, just like many of you, I'll be disappointed. But that game, to me, is going to be the make or break for the Razorbacks the rest of the way. The other game, of course, is Texas A&M, the game in Arlington, the game that makes no sense because every single season it seems like Arkansas either has no business being close to winning in the game, but they end up being close, or they have all the reason in the world to win the game because they are so far ahead and they have such a big lead late that they should. But I'll tell you this, folks. If Arkansas can just play well against a go all in on it, understand that they have a lot of a lot of reasons why they want to win. You got Chad Morris, who's a former Texas A&M guy. You got the recruiting coordinator, who used to be at A&M. You got Nick Starkle, Rakeem Boyd, used to be A&M guys. There's a lot of A&M connections just across the board. And if you're Arkansas, you want that game. You want that game bad. You want to win it. You want to win all your games, but you want that one probably more so than anything. And A&M, they don't like playing in Arlington. They don't like making that trip over to Dallas, to Arlington, I should say, to Dallas Cowboys Stadium in Jerry World, having to play that game against an Arkansas team that, if you look at the front end of their schedule, is probably their biggest quote-unquote trap game. I'm not picking Arkansas to win that game. They shouldn't. They'll have no business winning that game. But will it be close? Can they compete? Will it keep it interesting? I think so. And if Arkansas is able to get that victory against Ole Miss – just imagine what the next few weeks are going to be like with Razorback fans understanding that, hey, you beat Ole Miss on the road. If you could put together a really good performance against Texas A&M, think about what that will mean. It will mean a bowl game, in my opinion. We'll have to wait. That's what this talking season is all about, talking. But I like where everything's at. I like their chances, and I like the discussions that they're going to be having and that we're going to be having before the season even starts about those two games of what-if scenarios. What if Arkansas wins? What if they won them both? I don't even want to think about it because I'm not going to instill hope just yet. But I tell you what, those two games will be the telltale sign of how this season's going to go for the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're going to take a commercial break, come back, going to be joined by Richard Cross of Sports Talk Radio in Mississippi. Also, Billy Lucci of TexAx.com will be joining us on the segment after that. And we'll keep it going right here. Again, broadcasting live from SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama. You're listening to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. To the guy Richard Cross of Super Talk Mississippi. Richard, appreciate you joining us this morning. How you doing? Yeah, good. You guys are ready to go. You got your energy drinks, you got your biscuits, and uh, what, uh, up and at them early this yeah, morning. Yeah, that's right. right. Got a little NCAA football video game back here. I mean, yeah, we're, we're all about it here, and that's what you got to do for media days, man. Stay stay energized for sure. Uh, but I want to talk to you about, obviously, with uh, the, the Ole Miss Rebels. They're a fascinating team to me this year, obviously, because of uh, not only the things that they have gone through over the past few years, but Matt Luke made some changes. Had some Rich Rodriguez to as an offensive coordinator role. Just what's the vibe and mood like right now for Ole Miss fans and going into the 2019 season? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways for fans, it, it's tentative. Like people want to be excited, but they know that 
this is kind of the next step in the process. Uh, not not to steal a, a Nick Saban line. Uh, different process, I think we're talking about yeah. than, than what they've got going at Alabama. But you know, when when you look at the the NCAA stuff, the probation, the scholarship restrictions, those are all now in the rearview mirror. But you've got to got to build your way back from a roster standpoint, from a confidence standpoint. And so that's what they're doing now. You know, the, the, the program never had the complete fall off the cliff, or at least that hasn't happened to this point. You know, you look at the last three years, Hugh Freeze's last year, they go five and seven. Uh, Matt Luke in the interim year, they go six and six, and then they fall back to five and seven a year ago. Uh, but this is the first year that they, they get back to a full 85 uh, from a scholarship standpoint. I think they're excited about that, uh, just to have some extra bodies. Uh, when they played Texas A&M in mid-November last year, it was with 67 scholarship players. Uh, I mean, that's less than what you know Division two or F- FCS schools are, are playing with from roster size or roster management standpoint. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I know I heard you guys talking a second ago. The beginning of the season is so incredibly important. You know, if this team could get back to a bowl game this year, be the first bowl game since the end of the 2015 season when they played in the Sugar Bowl, that would really be a move in the right direction. And I think there are a lot of fans for, for lots of different reasons that are still in kind of wait-and-see mode and would like to jump back in, you know, feet first and mm-hmm. be excited about it, but they just have kind of – been snake bitten for the last couple of years and so there's a little bit of a wait and see mode how do you feel like matt luke has handled the, the whole situation because i mean it's tough on any coach to try to have to deal with the things that he had going against him but how do you feel like he's handled it and where he's at i think he's done a really nice job honestly uh, again i mentioned they they've kind of avoided the nosedive right sometimes times you see but that's not enough anymore i mean when you when you look at what coaches are being paid everywhere you know whether it's at Ole Miss or Arkansas or or Alabama you're not being paid to avoid a nosedive you're being paid to to win Mm -hmm. I do think and and there's been an administrative change right now Ross Bjork who was the athletics director uh, and hired Matt Luke and was very supportive of him is now the AD at Texas A&M uh, so you, you're always a little curious when there's an administration change, uh, although a new athletic director, a permanent one, has not been hired yet. Uh, right. Keith Carter's the, the interim athletics director for now, uh, and there's a good relationship there. Um, but, but I feel like in some ways there's some learning on the fly, learning on the job that, that goes along with it for Matt Luke. But he's been around a lot of good coaches, and he has shown a level of maturity that I think maybe surprised some with – how he's gone about hiring coaches, I, I would say that that's what he has done uh, better than anything else. Um, and, and that's hire assistant coaches. And mm-hmm. a couple of years in a row, he's had multiple spots on the staff, none evidenced more than this year when he hires Rich Rodriguez, who's a former coach of the year, <laughs> and uh, and Mike McIntyre on the defensive side, who's also a former coach of the year. Well, I wanted to ask you about Rich Rodriguez because when that hire was made, I was, it was pretty surprising to me because I didn't, I didn't know that that would be a fit, but he's definitely a name, especially if you look back to his West Virginia days and how great those offenses were. What's kind of the expectation there for Rich Rodriguez and taking over with Matt Corral being in the quarterback there, or at least presumably the quarterback? I mean, how how is that going to work in the philosophy and in the strategy of how they're going to play in the SEC? You know, really, we all should hate Rich Rodriguez, right? I mean, if, yes. we're, if we're being entirely <laughs> honest, I mean, the, the course of the Southeastern Conference could be so drastically different if he would have just taken the Alabama job. Signed on the dotted line. Uh, it was it was so close to being done. Um, I, I, 
I don't know what the fit's going to be like. Um, spent a very little bit of time uh, around Rich Rodriguez. He's certainly a guy that's confident. He's seen a lot in college football. He, he's had a lot of success. Um, I don't know if Matt Corral's Pat White. Uh, yeah. You know, a pretty good quarterback in uh, in Pat White at a Mobile when uh, when they really had things clicking offensively at West Virginia. Clearly, it didn't work at uh, at Michigan. There was some up and down at, at Arizona. Um, I, I do think the structure that he will bring to the offense is going to be important. You know, if you look at what Ole Miss did uh, for the last couple of years, they threw it a ton. And they threw it effectively, especially between the twenties. I mean, they were a, they were a fantastic eighty, what sixty yard offense, you know, from twenty mm-hmm. yard line, or I guess that's eighty. A little early for math. Yeah. <laughs> um, but between the twenties, I mean, it was up and down, and but there wasn't a lot of structure. Uh, some of that was by design. I mean, some of that that was what Phil Longo's offense was based on. There were options for wide receivers to to try to find space. But when you talk about the athletic defenses that you have in the SEC, you got to commit to what you're doing. Uh, there's going to be more of an emphasis on running the football. Uh, a Rich Rodriguez offense is not exclusive to one thing or the other. I mean, you, you look at Khalil Tate when he had a guy like that, they they ran it, ran it, ran it. Uh, but there's also the ability to throw the ball, and Ole Miss still got some pretty good wide receivers. Speaking with Richard Cross of Super Talk Mississippi right now on the Morning Rush Live from Media Days in Hoover, Alabama. I, I want to ask you about week two because Razorback it's fans... kind of a big deal. Yes, it's a very big deal. In fact, Razorback fans, if they had to circle a game as far as the make or break for the season on the schedule this year, it's that second game of the season in Oxford. Yeah. Last year, they felt like they were in good position to win the game. They couldn't close out. Uh, they've had Ole Miss's number by and large for the past few years. So I'm curious. I know what the Razorback perspective is because they know that that game's huge. What's Ole Miss' perspective from that game as far as what it could mean for the season if they're able to get that victory? It's absolutely the same thing. The thing for Ole Miss, though, is it's not just Arkansas in Week 2. It's the combination of Week 1 and Week 2. Ole Miss goes on the road to Memphis in Week 1. So that's that's a, a tricky, tough road game because Memphis has been good. I got a quarterback coming back, you know, that, that put up some decent numbers in Brady White, but you know, that, that's one of those. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's if Arkansas has a relatable opponent that, that's comparable right. to, to Memphis. Like, you know, it's only an hour and a half away, and there are people that really like that rivalry, and people that are like, just don't ever play them again. There's no reason yeah. at all to play that game. And I hate to be the guy that uses like, a, oh, it's their Super Bowl cliche, but it's a really big deal for Memphis oh, yeah. when you've got an SEC team an hour and ten minutes down the road to you know pick up a win on top of the fact that Memphis has been really good for the last few years. So there's no um, Portland State in week one for Ole Miss to just kind of go out, get some reps, get your legs back, get, you know, feel good about yourself. So they got to go play in week one on the road and then turn around and host Arkansas in week two. There is a roadmap and, and a, a pretty easy-to-read roadmap to six wins for Ole Miss, but that includes going 2-0 and to start the year. You don't go two and zero. Oh. I mean, one and one. Maybe you can get to six. You go zero and two. Forget about it. That, that, I mean, it's got the makings of a four and eight football team, and that would be really bad. Um, I was just looking at the numbers a little while ago. So, what? Ole Miss slap, snapped a four-game losing streak to Arkansas last year. Correct. Rebels have lost three in a row in Oxford. 
at least one of those in about the most heartbreaking, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, possible. You know, the, the most heartbreaking way possible with the fourth and twenty-five. Man. He, yeah, <laughs> um, that's one that won't uh, that won't die and and cost Ole Miss a you know possible SEC yeah. championship. So. I think it's always been a good series. And to me, the Ole Miss-Arkansas series is a fascinating one uh, because you look at, at rivalries, that should be the biggest rivalry. Eh, maybe not the biggest rivalry, but certainly a rivalry for these two teams because the history is there. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's in the in the 50s or 60s, these are two teams that played each other a lot before Arkansas came into the SEC. Uh, going back to the days when you had John Vault on the, the sideline and Coach Broyles uh, as well. So... Uh, to me, it's a, a fascinating game and a fascinated ser- uh, fascinating series. I feel like maybe Arkansas is a year away from where they want to be. Can you stack another recruiting class on top of the one that was coming in this year? Um, I mean, it's hard to believe that they're not going to be better than, than they were a season ago. And Arkansas was good enough to beat Ole Miss last year. Yeah. Um, so I hope it's not a pillow fight in week two. I, I, I hope it's <laughs> fun. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a night game. Yes. And yeah. there should be a great crowd. My guess would be that Arkansas fans would travel well because it's so early and there's no disappointment that's built in. And it's an easy trip for a lot. So I think it's got the makings for a really good week two atmosphere and a fun football game. But, no, to go to your original point, I think it's vitally important for both teams. Well, I always like to get the an outsider's perspective of kind of the Arkansas program and Chad Morris right now because going 2-10 and 10 is hard to instill any sort of hope in a lot of fans. Yeah. I mean, I know that there was a time where Ole Miss kind of went through that same type of season, and uh, I believe under Houston Nutt, they made a change. But you can't really do that in first year of Chad Morris. So, Houston Nutt, who's that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've heard of him. He, yeah. he kind of has a relationship with Arkansas and Ole Miss. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on Chad Morris and his job at Arkansas, or at least the job he's trying to do at Arkansas? What's your just overall feel for what he can do and maybe what he can accomplish at Arkansas? You know, I can't help but think about Chad Morris when he was the hottest name in the country as an offensive coordinator. So when he was with Dabo at Clemson, his name was one that popped up. Oh, Chad Morris, next big thing, next big thing. And it felt like there were maybe some opportunities for him to go to a bigger job initially. But when he went to SMU, it was almost like it was a little more off the radar. Um, the the thing to me that was pre- impressive about what he did at SMU was he, his teams got better each year. You know, if you're looking at offensive production numbers, if you're looking at win totals, there was a, an increase there. I, I kind of feel like a year ago was year zero for Chad Morris, and I know that's hard for fans to swallow, to, to go, you know what, this year just doesn't matter because it's a year and we're paying you three and a half or four million dollars and you want us to buy tickets and suites and all those things you you can't just say it's year zero Mm -hmm. but with the transition and with the roster flip that had to happen to make this new style work i don't know that a whole lot could more could be expected i get it if a fan goes look you're in the sec there's no scenario where two and ten is okay i mean even in a terrible year you've got to be Three and nine, four and eight, you know, right. whatever it is. Just going winless in the SEC is a hard pill to swallow. I, I completely get that. Uh, I, a little bit of a wait and see for me on Chad Morris. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see year two with 
whatever the quarterback situation. Who's it going to be? It's probably going to be Ben Hicks to start. It might be Starkle once the season gets going, but I think it's going to be Hicks to start it. So you think we'll see Ben Hicks in Oxford in week two? Yes, I I would say that that'd be the case. And that makes sense. I mean, you're talking about the guy that's probably got the most familiarity with the offense and and, and should be comfortable in it. So I I think it's a little early to pass judgment one way or the other. Uh, I think I like where it's headed. Yeah, the recruiting thing is kind of interesting, though. People talk so much about that recruiting class a year ago. And it got off to a really fast start, which which they needed to do. Right. But in the end, it turned out to be, what, 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there, which is right where Ole Miss and Mississippi State were. And that's great. I, I've always talked about this when we've talked about recruiting with Ole Miss. That's a top 25 class nationally. That's 11th in the SEC. <laughs> Good luck with that. How are you going to make progress? So, you know, once you've got players in there that are are top 25 type players, then to me that's when the the coaching piece of it becomes a little more important. Richard Cross of Super Talk Mississippi. We appreciate you hopping on with us, obviously. I I wanted to get a perspective of that Week 2 matchup because i got to hear that it's just as important for Ole Miss as it is for Arkansas. It's going to be a big one, though, no doubt. It really is. Look forward to seeing you today. Appreciate it, man, Uh, and just uh, have fun the rest of the media days. Sounds good. See you around. Yeah, big day today, no doubt about it. We are joined by Billy Lucci, who's the executive editor and co-owner of TexAgs.com. Talk a little bit more about Texas A&M, who Jimbo Fisher and his players are going to go today. Really appreciate it, Billy. How you doing? Oh, no problem. Doing well. Just uh, like you said, yesterday, day one, felt like uh, it felt like four days out here. Yeah. It's only going to get crazier today with, with four teams coming through. And, uh, busy these next couple days are going to be pretty insane for yeah. both of us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun though too. And and I want I'm fascinated by Texas A and M because I feel like last year they really surprised me at least having the way that the season ended and, go, and winning nine games and and looking as good as they did. And this next season is like man with the great recruiting that they've done, there could be even better. But then I see the schedule yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like they could end up being a better team. But may not have as good of a record when you're having to go to Clemson, you're having to go to Georgia, you're having to go to LSU, you still got Bama, you still got to go to Ole Miss. I mean, how do you balance that of the expectation of saying this team's going to be better but also having that rough schedule? It's funny. You you could – I mean, you're playing both teams that played for the national title. You're playing both teams that played for the SEC title. You're playing preseason number one, two, and three, and whatever LSU is going to end up, seven, yeah. eight, whatever that is. And not to mention, let's let's not talk about how tight their games were last year against Arkansas, final possession, mm-hmm. against Ole Miss, uh, trailing in the third quarter, pulled away late. They lost to Mississippi State. They lost to Auburn. Uh, both those on the road, of course. You'll get them at home. And um, South Carolina was a tie game in the fourth quarter. So not even factoring in that, you look at those first, those four games that kind of sit atop the whole thing, and it's wild to think A&M, in theory, could be what? Let's say the eighth best team in college football and go eight and four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they wouldn't finish ranked eighth, right. but I mean, if you just had some metric and said this is the eighth best team taking the field this year, they might lose to number seven, number three, number two, number one. So it is. It, it's tough to reconcile those two things. Plus, here's the other thing no one's going to probably talk about much today is – Texas A&M is a uh, – they're, they're not young, okay? I don't want to say young. Right. They got a lot of juniors. They're going to start one senior. 
Oh, wow. They're going to start one senior out of 22 this fall. I've been doing this 20 years. 21. This will be my 21st year. Never seen that. Never seen a team start one senior out of 22 on on a football team. Not an A&M team, anyway. So, they're not young, but the the next couple years are what should be the real breakthroughs for for Jimbo Fisher and this team. Those should be the breakthrough seasons. And you talk about that recruiting class and the end of 2018 was really good. The 2019 was ranked third. So by 2020, those guys are going into their second year. Plus, you only lose you, you maybe a couple guys leave early. You lose two or three mm-hmm. starters out of 22. And then after that, you're stacking recruiting classes. They'll probably be a top 10 haul this year. What if A&M does? The question I think everyone needs to ask is, what if they do get there a year early? What if they're noticeably better? What if one out of Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, probably not Clemson or Bama, but what if one of them take a, a, aren't nearly as good as they're thought to be? Mm-hmm. Instead of a top five team, what if they're a top ten team and A&M wins a close game? So, you know, I think that's the fun part about this team, and I think they're probably one of the toughest to peg down this year because they do have a veteran quarterback. They do have a coach with a track record of developing quarterbacks and turning them into high-end pro prospects. And so what if your QB takes that jump? What if the second year in the system, those talented receivers play every week like they did against Clemson and against against LSU? There's a lot of what-ifs for this team. And the biggest one is what if that schedule just ultimately wears them down and they're a you know, four or five loss team. And like you said, maybe a little bit better than they were a season ago. Well, and, and Jimbo Fisher, you brought him up as having the track record of success, obviously at Florida State. And when they hired him, he was, I mean, he's a rock star hire. It's hard to argue that you could have gotten a better hire if you're Texas A&M. But given all of these things going for him, I know the schedule's tough, but the recruiting classes, the support, uh-oh, the, the experience that they're having, I mean, there in Aggieland is the expectation getting to the point to where, you know, they understand tough schedule, but here in the next two, three years, they expect to maybe win the West, play for national championship. I mean, what are they expecting considering how great things are going right now? I think they're expecting a championship. And I think you talk to the players, and that's the biggest thing I've noticed is those kids in the program believe they're coming to A&M to win a national title. They believe that while they're being recruited, they believe it – when they get on campus and it only gets stronger as they stay and it's not even it's not really a cocky thing it's just that's where Jimbo's taken us um I don't I sense the veteran players they 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 I only hear them talk good about the younger players the freshmen coming in there's no jealousy I mean because they believe like well these guys are coming in to help us win a championship they're coming in. They're going to make us better. Oh, wow, that guy's really good. I'm not worried about him taking my job. I'm, I'm excited because we're getting better. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different culture than I've been used to seeing with Sherman where it was kind of like they were just hoping to get there one day, but it wasn't. It, and in Sumlin, it was more about the, the sometimes you could like a style over substance thing and I haven't seen it like this. I haven't seen just that, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to win an SEC. We're going to build this into a top ten program, and we're going to reach playoffs and win a national title. We know how hard that is. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to get there if that's not the culture inside your program. And you've got a head coach that's done it, so it adds a lot of credence to it, not only for the players to believe, but he knows what it takes. You know, Jerry Schmidt, 
the strength and conditioning coach knows what it takes. He's done it at OU. So mm-hmm. I, I I think that's the the biggest difference. And I think I think they I really I really believe this. Will they win one under Jimbo Fisher? I don't know. I mean, that's so hard. You know, you right. look at Clemson. Who would have ever thought Clemson would win multiple titles under Dabo? And they've done it. You got a head, uh, you know, a national championship head coach. You're giving him kind of everything he wants, and you're plopping him right in the middle of the state of Texas as the only SEC school in that league. And we've seen the early returns, both on the field, like yeah. you talked about. Look, in one year they erased that A&M's fades in November. A&M is out conditioned. They can't win games in the second half. Those were gone in year one. Who's to say they won't take a huge leap in year two? Or who's to say they don't survive it and then and then make that leap afterwards? But it's trending that way. Will they win one? Who knows? There's some really good teams that don't win them for long stretches of time. Mm-hmm. But I think they've got everything in place to, to do it and kind of really threaten Alabama, say, from 2020, right. a little five-year window there because of the way they're recruiting, and, and it kind of should start next season. The big question today, I think, should be, can it start now? Not can they win a national title or win the SEC, but can they go 9-3 and three and shake up, the, uh, shake up the playoff race? Can they go... 10 and 2 and completely screw up everything. Yeah. Who knows? Who yeah. Knows? Well, and it's fascinating because they're obviously on the right track and time will tell. And, you know, you mentioned the, the game against Arkansas earlier. That one's a weird one that I can't figure out. Nope. Because AM has beaten Arkansas every year since 2012. All the uh, one have been. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Bobby Petrino and Tyler Wilson were, the, were on Arkansas staff and a quarterback win the last time Arkansas beat AM. But. For whatever reason, even though AM may be talent wise far and away better than Arkansas, or even if Arkansas has had a huge lead late in the game, somehow, some way, it's always close, and AM always ends up on top. Do you have any explanation for why this game always ends up being that way? No, because if there was ever a year where I would have said AM would, would. During the year, a lot of those close games. You go back and look, and, and Brett Bielema's teams played plenty of teams tough. Mm-hmm. They won games later in the year, and where you go, okay, this is a lot better team than than we thought they were earlier in the year. A and M's going to always get Arkansas's best shot because of I think because just because of where they're playing the game yeah. and it's neutral and and A and M's going to get their best shot. But I don't think the Aggies, at the end of the day, you look at it, they weren't really that much better than Arkansas in those years. They just were ranked really high at that time before the truth really came out. Yeah. And it's like every year Arkansas would kind of expose that, like, look, the gap between these two teams isn't very big. And that's why they're playing such close games. For whatever reason, A&M believed they would beat Arkansas, and Arkansas didn't believe. And you saw that, would, you know, as soon as push came to shove, the Hogs would blink. They didn't want to. Right. They fought like hell. They would blink. A&M wouldn't. They had that confidence. Last year was the one... Where I go, all right, <laughs> like this is just how it's always going to be because you look at how the seasons ended and A yeah. and M was way better. A and M now A and M got to be a much better team later in the year, right? But Arkansas was putrid early in the season when the Aggies played them, and they jumped out. Was it seventeen nothing or was it seventeen? Seven. I think it was seventeen seven. I know they returned the opening kickoff yeah. for a touchdown. It and was at least it was at least fourteen yeah. nothing, and. 
if there was ever a time where I was thinking A&M's going to run these guys out, their quarterback plays atrocious, it's, mm-hmm. and they still couldn't do it. You know, they had chances there early in the second half. Kellen throws a pick, a couple missed field goals there. They still couldn't do it. So I don't know that that's ever going to happen. And I think this year, again, you, you want to talk about these tough games. Arkansas is going to be tough. And now, if I don't know, you guys know a lot more than me. If Nick Stark will end up winning that starting job, time right. will tell. I think he's got his work cut out because, you know, the other guy being in the system and having mm-hmm. the spring there. But you've got an AM quarterback. You've got an AM tailback in Rakeem Boyd. You've got John Chavis, who left, I think, extremely bitter yeah. about how things went down at AM. And, and, I don't understand why, because I think he did a pretty terrible job at right. A&M. Um, you've got Ron Cooper, who coached at A&M. Mm-hmm. Arkansas hired one A&M recruiting director. He left to go back to A&M. They went off and hired a guy from um, ULL that had come up under Sumlin at A&M. And, oh, by the way, you've got Chad Morris, who's an Aggie <laughs> yeah. coach. You've got your special teams coach, Trailer, who... who lobbied hard for the AM job not once but twice mm-hmm. I mean these dudes want to beat the Aggies badly yeah and they there's not a game and it'll be interesting Chad Morris won't reference AM this week will he, he I never don't think seems so. to no which only adds to it and you go these dudes really want to end that streak and I think if there's one game they'd want to win on the schedule yeah it's AM but none of them say it, but we all know it, so it's going to be the same deal. Yeah. And again, that's one where in the, the first six games or so, A&M plays Clemson, Alabama, Auburn. You can't lose to Arkansas. Yeah. So all the more reason it's going to be a close game because the Aggies are going to be feeling a lot of pressure to go out there and they have to win that game. Arkansas doesn't, but boy, do they want to. Yeah. No, that's a great point about the connections there to Texas A&M because, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of correlations and relationships there, and that's probably a big part to why they care so much about that game. Should be another great one this year. Yeah. Billy Lucci, executive editor and co-owner of TexAgs.com. Really appreciate you hopping yeah, on with no me, man. Problem. Try not Thank to work you. too hard today. All yeah, right, you man? too. You too. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.